0: hello and welcome to witchy wellness radio i'm your host lauren Cholantani, women's holistic health coach and fellow recovering perfectionist this podcast was created to show you that your body is not in the way it is actually leading your way i am very particular about the type of cbd and hemp products that i use there's so much hype and lack of testing and quality in the industry. So, the company that I love and use is Evo Hemp. Not only do they have a beautiful product like hemp seeds, CBD oil, gummies, even hemp chocolate, protein bars, protein powder, they also support a 40 acre co op farm in Minnesota, which is farmer owned, focusing on bringing quality and innovation back. To black, indigenous, and other socially disadvantaged farmers. So if you are looking into trying any type of CBD or hemp products, head over to EvoHemp.com. The link is in the show notes, and make sure you use code Witchy W-I-C-T-H-Y for 20% off of your purchase. Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of Witchy Wellness Radio, the show you learn how your body and emotions are not in the way, they're actually leading the way. And today we are talking with Amy Greensmith, talking all about why people-pleasing is bad for your health and what to do if you're highly invested in the opinions of others. This is going to be a powerful show. More about Amy, she is a certified and credited life coach with hypnotherapist masterful speaker and courageous communication expert. Amy uses her roles as a coach, writer, podcaster, and speaker to move individuals to a place of radical personal empowerment and self-worth. With an acute focus on helping people find their voice, she is highly sought after for her uncommon style of irreverence, wisdom, and humor, and has been featured expert in Inspired Coach Magazine and Fox 5 in San Diego, we welcome irreverence and and humor and wit here on the show. Welcome, Amy. Thanks for having me, Lauren. I'm uh, excited to, to connect. Uh, me, me too. I I'm excited to hear your own journey and your story of, you know, the heroine's journey. How did you I'm I'm assuming go from a people pleaser yourself mm-hmm. to now helping other people with that as well. So we could just jump right in. So the backstory, a bridge, maybe cliff notes, because sure. I know we, can pro- we could spend days diving sure. deep of how you got to do the work today. Well, I, w- I
1: actually never struggled with people-pleasing. I just <laughs> popped out of the womb being able to have tough conversations and say no. <laughs> no, that's not true at all. That's not true at all. Um, so... Yeah, I'll give you a brief history of kind of what landed me in, in this corner of the internet doing doing this work. So I, uh, for a bit of context, I grew up in a very, very conservative, born-again Christian family, very evangelically focused. My father had a master's in divinity and a doctorate in ministry, so he was clearly not fucking around. So we grew up with a lot of that influence. Um, so that was my first forte into what a spiritual life meant. Right. So it was cloaked with a lot of a lot of guilt and shame and obligation and damnation and all of those things. So uh, my two younger brothers and and I could not have been more opposite. They both had difficult time with the law and jail time and didn't go to school and, you know, very tumultuous. I started working when I was 14, by all accounts, was like the quote unquote good kid. Right got married young, put myself through college, moved out of the house, you know, did all that big girl stuff. So everything kind of came to a head in 07. And at the time, I was really into the wave of The Secret and Abraham Hicks and all of that stuff that was really kind of hitting pop culture in, in a really profound way and misunderstood manifestation as I think a lot of people do, but uh, I was thinking as my dad was, his health was ailing, I was thinking like, okay, I can manifest him being able to come through this surgery, which which actually, spoiler alert, did not work. Uh, so I give you that little background on my brothers because it'll it'll come into play a little bit later. Everything kind of came to a head. It's 07, super into Law of Attraction. And I had was transitioning from makeup artistry into personal development. And I felt very strongly that, you know, if, you know, so my dad passed away. I buried the lead a little bit with that one. So my dad passes away and I knew very strongly that because I had this makeup artistry background that I wanted to do his makeup for the viewing, for the service. And because I felt like it was kind of a dick move to be like, oh, dad, get your own makeup artist. When I had this full skill set, you know, <laughs> and taught it, I was like, no, that would be such a dick move. Even though I know everybody would have understood. And I chose to speak at the service, which there were, you know, hundreds of people there. And so we get, so needless to say, I feel like I was winning at daughter that day. Okay. We've done dead, dad makeup. We've spoken to the crowd of hundreds of people. We've dealt with all of all all this religious influence that I had already started to distance myself from. And I still kept a lot of shape shifting, though, like when I when we would go to my parents house up until that point, I would always prep, you know, prep my husband saying like, no liberal agenda, no cussing, no drinking, no talking about Jon Stewart or South Park or Howard Stern. Like it was very it was it was a facade, right? Because I thought, I don't want to deal with this thing that we have very differing views on. So flashback to the day of his service, we get back home to my mom's house and she finds it the most opportune time to tell me that she feels as though my father and her had failed as parents because the three of us, myself and my two brothers who have had lived very different lives, all three of us were not, quote, walking with the Lord. So, of course, it didn't matter that I put myself through school, did did a dead dad makeup. Like, none of that stuff mattered. It was like, you might as well be in jail because you're just not work, walking with the Lord. So I don't give a fuck. So that, in that moment, the only thing I could kind of muster is I said, you probably shouldn't tell a child that. Like, Hey, babe, you're a disappointment. What's up? Like, no, I really don't think you should tell a child that. And she kind of looked at me and she said, Well, that's just how I feel. And that was the moment, Lauren, when I realized there is a cost to shape shifting and twisting and contorting and making everybody else happy. And we can certainly dig into the emotional reasons of why that is. But I, I really don't believe that a lot of instances of speaking up for ourselves involve ultimatums. Many times they don't. However, if it does come down to where I need to decide between making you happy or making me happy, I'm going to choose me. And that was sort of the beginning of that understanding of how to start speaking up for yourself with an element of grace and kindness. And that is now what I do in the world. So it's it's kind of twofold. It's this internal element of genuinely believing in your self-worth, believing that you have intrinsic enoughness and that your voice just matters, period. And then the second element is the actual semantics. What does it sound like to say no? What does it sound like to to broach a tough conversation? What are the what's the anatomy of a boundary? And uh, we're not really taught any of that. So that's sort of the the heroine's journey, as you so eloquently put it.
0: Beautiful. And I think so many of us can relate to that. who listen to Witchy Wellness. We were the good girls, the ones who had their shit together, got the good grades, got their yes. col- the job, you know, like, like the life checklist. Like we had checked it off, like stars were filling it up, just left yep. and right. We got it. And then there's this moment that it's like a come to Jesus moment, really, like, okay, Mm -hmm. I can do all this. And it doesn't matter because the shape shifting is really not who I am. And I love myself enough to realize that. And that's what you what you went through and what you just eloquently said as well. Once we kind of have that awakening, (laughs) if you will, you start to realize this and go, Oh, no. Putting it maybe Mm -hmm. might be just putting everybody else before you and you're just feeling tired and pissed off. And that's my warning sign for me. If I start the inner bitch starts coming out, that's when I know I'm not putting me first. Right. 100%. That's my warning sign. So, what can, what are some first steps? Like once we kind of have the self realization, what, Mm -hmm. what can we do from there?
1: Well, I think the first item of business for everybody out there is to take an inventory on who you complain about the most with things that you have not brought to that actual person. And here's what I mean by that. First of all, we get a lot of messages on social media and stuff that say things like, establish boundaries or just love yourself. And you're like, I'll get right on that. I can't wait. Like, But what the fuck does that mean? Like, Give me some actual tangible steps. So that is what I'm aiming to do here with you. The other thing is, a lot of times we are vocal. We are speaking up, but we're speaking up to the wrong person. So let's say it is you're getting a business off the ground and you have a business partner and there's something that's bothering you with them. And maybe it's your therapist who gets an earful, or maybe you are so pissed at your partner, but it's your sister who gets the earful, right? And you complain and you bring it up over and over and over again, but you're not taking action. That's the key piece there is if it would be a surprise to that individual of how you feel about this specific scenario, then that's on you right because if you just operate with this idea of how can they not know oh my gosh well i i did this thing so that hopefully they would get my drift or infer what i mean that's not adequate communication in fact a lot of times we operate with the the perspective of if it was a big deal to lauren i'm sure she would tell me if it was a big deal to amy i'm sure she would say something if it was an issue right like we assume that like that's what we would do yet no one's really given the skill set to do that so i want you to think about that this is not about just releasing and letting go of you know something you might need to vent or clear i'm not talking about that i'm talking about someone you habitually complain about and the thing that you complain about is something you have not given voice to if it is worth complaining about, it's probably worth taking some action on. So that's the first step is we've got to just at least find out where am I silencing myself? Where am I not giving voice to things? Because that usually is indication of a boundary that needs to be
0: put in place. Beautiful. Yeah. (laughs) And it's an ongoing process. I think you kind of catch yourself. You might be aware of this and you might just be like oh my gosh I do have such a program that like you know anytime I'm in a relationship I'm going to go to my girlfriend's and bitch about the relationship and Mm -hmm. not talk to the person about it and for me it's like a continually unfolding as I live my life as I grow these certain areas like this pop up and it's not to judge ourselves it's to love ourselves to you know to really Like when I say, you know, what does love ourself mean? It means don't judge yourself for not being quote unquote perfect. Mm -hmm. That coming up is such a good thing. That contrast, if you're talking about Abraham, the contrast of it all is step five in the whole Abraham process is like, it's a good thing. It's an opportunity for us to change, for us to grow. Mm -hmm. So kind of let's go into the, because I know the people pleasing mentality is filled with the perfectionist and the Mm -hmm. self judgment kind of part behind the scenes, how can we start to really loosen the grip, if you will, on that self-judgment? Because sometimes that holds us back from actually talking to the person. We're stuck in our heads the whole time.
1: Well, I want to offer sort of a little disclaimer around people-pleasing first before we get into anything. There are a lot of concepts or, or terms that get tossed around in personal development. And then they get either like vilified as being always bad, or they get lifted up as being the way that you always have to proceed. Right? So people pleasing is one of them that gets demonized and it's don't people please at all costs. Don't be a perfectionist ever. That's bad. And if you think about nuance and how that caters to our our lives, If there is, if I'm going in for brain surgery, I need that fucking neurosurgeon to be a motherfucking perfectionist that day and every day. Right. So there's certain situations where I'm like, no, there isn't room for error. I do need perfection and it does serve certain instances. And the same is true for people pleasing, it is an evolutionary response, it's an iteration of. A fear response, so if you if you know much about you know fight, flight, freeze, there is a fourth one called fawning for those of you listening who maybe aren't as uh, familiar with it, and it's basically placating it's the idea that you would uh befriend or placate an aggressor or a captor or any any sort of impending threat, so in our primitive life, if we were being attacked by a mountain lion fawning as a defense mechanism would look like going here kitty 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 here's some meat go get some meat right we're we're not fighting we're not fleeing we're not freezing we're placating we're fawning the modern day iteration of that is people pleasing what that means is in our current day in and day out life a lot of times we people please as a defense mechanism to stay safe sometimes That actually is in service of us. So, for example, if you're a part of any marginalized identity, if you're in a fat body, a queer body, a black or brown body, or, you know, any other number of intersections of of marginalized identities, it's likely that you've been in situations where acquiescing or placating to someone kept you physically safe. I think about that, like I do identify as queer. If I'm in a situation where people are clearly being violent towards the LGBTQ plus community and I'm by myself. That's probably the time when people pleasing will keep me alive. Right? So I think we need to make sure that we address nuance there. It's the same advice that I give people who are in highly abusive relationships. Sometimes we have to do that in order to stay safe. So I need to throw that out ahead of time. Um, For most of us, though, we're not in imminent danger. Most of us, the fear or the threat is about how we are being perceived. It is the worry of what if they don't like me? What if they don't accept me? What if they reject me? What if they find out I'm an imposter? What if I fail? What if I succeed? What does that mean? So, again, even if we look at things like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, one of our primary human needs is to belong. So there is a very real reason why we try to people-please because we want to belong. So knowing that about ourselves, that I developed this process or this pattern of behavior to take care of myself is a way that we can usher in all of this Um, compassion for ourselves, and then recognize, and I would like to do something about that now. Maybe I learned how to fly under the radar and take care of everybody in my family because I had a lot of abuse or alcoholism or something like that. And I learned how to just take care of everyone else's needs. And now here I am in my thirties going, oh shit, that's not serving me anymore." That's not helping me get this business off the ground or start dating again or whatever else it might be. So we recognize when it's not in service of us. So um, I forget what your original question was.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And you know what? I'm sitting here going, I don't remember either. And that's okay. And that's why I love having conversation because it went exactly where it needed to go because I think that's so important for everybody to realize those two i say one point, but it's really two kind of different points about people pleasing as yeah. well. It's like, it's not always bad. Perfectionism isn't always bad and it is a trauma response. That's right. Yep.
1: And this is where I think, I like to say it's called personal development for a reason mm-hmm. because it's fucking personal, <laughs> which means that it's going to be a different answer for every individual, for every situation. So you might have one scenario, and I I will have this frequently where students will say, hey, I think I probably should have said more here. What do you think? And I'll go, no, just because you knew that skill set doesn't mean it was necessarily called for in that particular scenario. What do you think? How do you feel about it? Right? So, each scenario, we have to look at it and go, do I feel like it was out of integrity that I did not speak up? So the one of the mantras that I live under is do not allow your silence to make you a liar. That is how I view when do I want to speak up. And for me, it goes... It is in the real world. It's not necessarily on social media because there's a shit ton of stuff I see there that I'm like, I'm not going to fight with internet strangers. I'm just not going to do it. But in my real life, I will not allow my silence to make me a liar. So what I mean by that, years ago, I was doing uh, community theater and there was a gentleman who I was in a show with and he showed me a meme on his phone that was incredibly disparaging to a mentally and physically disabled child, which to me does not constitute humor and is not something that I want to be shown. So I also don't want to get into a, a big conversation with him about that and about ableism and, and you know, being an asshole. And so I just said, hey, you know what? I actually don't find that funny. Um, I'd appreciate it if you didn't share that kind of stuff with me. All right. See you later. See you on the stage. Right. And like just change the subject. So you don't necessarily have to have a full Ted talk ready to go. You can very simply say, oh, you know what? I actually don't share that opinion or I view things a little bit differently. And, and I definitely don't subscribe to that viewpoint, but we don't need to get into that right now or something like that. So for me, I don't want to be in an environment where my silence makes me complicit to someone else's statement or viewpoint. And that really acts as a great barometer of when do I want to give voice to something and when
0: when do I want to not. That's beautiful. I know in our household, we always say, you know, just be real. The only thing I ask of my partner and I, he just says, just be real with me. Because mm-hmm. I've had to overcome my own, people pleasing kind of placating like tiptoeing around my real answer based on what i think other people want to hear and so we just say say whatever's real say that say what you know coming from your heart and that's really really helped me because that mind shift of when i feel like i'm walking on eggshells even though i know i'm safe even though everything's good i know he loves me It's that response and relationship from childhood Mm -hmm. and previous relationships that has programmed me to kind of, so you kind of just have to work with yourself. And in those moments, speaking kindly to me, I'm like, okay, all he wants me is to be real. So Mm -hmm. what, how do I feel? Not what I think anybody else thinks that they want to hear from me, but what's real for me. And that can be, like you said, not a whole TED talk planned, just simple direct and that's it it doesn't have to be a whole whole spiel which i want to move into talking about you know those uncomfortable conversations and we kind of started leading into it but like yeah. what to say when we don't really know what to say like sometimes it's yeah in that yes. situation it's kind of easy to put two and two together like putting the boundary down and moving on with with the meme but like yeah, how do we jump in uncomfortable conversations? We don't have a starting point.
1: <laughs> I have so many things I already want to say. Um, so this is great. This is fantastic. Well, one thing that you embodied with your anecdote about how you talk with your your partner is a key element that that will unlock everything for you in difficult conversations and that is vulnerability. So, it takes a lot more um, risk and vulnerability to speak from a place of how you feel about an issue, your actual emotion about an issue versus just being pissed at that other person. I'll give you an example. So let's say you feel like you do everything around the home uh, you take care of the bills, you take care of all of the operations, right, and then you notice that your partner left their shoes out or something like that, and you just lose it, and you focus all of the energy on the fucking shoes and about I'm pissed at that, and why can't you ever put your shit away and what And if you're on the receiving end of that, you don't go, "Wow, I can't wait to work on this for you, partner, you go you you go into i'm being threatened so what do you do fight flight freeze fawn so you either placate you freeze you fight you tell the person like oh yeah i'm glad you brought that up because i hate when you do this and i hate when you do that and now it's okay sweet i see your grievance and i'm going to raise you one or we run away we do whatever we can like uh i can't be in this threat situation what you don't do is say i'm going to work on this for you right so What's difficult about that is that it's a natural reaction. Our fear responses, our stress responses are designed to keep us safe. So when we see something that infuriates us and that frustrates us, anger is quite intuitive. It's a very, very natural. And it very seldomly reaps benefits in relationships in the way that you want, okay? So the anger is not the problem. It's addressing the issue in the middle of the anger. And we're, we also need to talk about here, this scenario that I'm giving you, there's a difference between the surface issue and the root issue. So I'm yelling and screaming about the damn shoes when it's not about the shoes. It's about what that whole scenario and scene makes me feel. And if I approach a conversation about these damn shoes, And instead of saying, you, 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 you leave these out or you never help out or you whatever, you talk from a place of what you feel about that. Because here's the deal. If I scream and yell about the shoes, someone else can scream and yell at me about why I'm wrong. We just double down on our righteousness. Everybody just doubles down on, no, that's not the way to load the dishwasher, or no, that's not how to do a client contract, or no, right? We go into the surface issue and and we double down on the rightness instead of talking about emotionally, here's why this is, is hitting home for me. And instead of saying you, 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 starting off the conversation by saying, first of all, thank you so much for sitting down and talking to me about this. I know you're super busy expressing some sort of gratitude to the other person. Leading with a soft startup and then say, hey, I recognize I've been really starting to feel resentful and and I realized that I've never told you that. And how on earth would you know? And that's wildly unfair to you unless I very explicitly told you what I'm looking for. So for that, I really want to apologize because it's not fair to you that I'm building this resentment and then not sharing that with you. So here's what's been happening for me on this end, right? Here's how this behavior, your behavior, but I usually will say, here's how this landed instead of you, 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 because people feel attacked. Here's how I interpreted that. When this happens and you know the trash doesn't get taken out or the bills don't get paid, what I make that mean is you don't value me. I don't, don't feel valued in this relationship. I don't feel like I'm an equal partner. You talk about your fucking feelings because that situation is a lot harder to dispute. It's a lot harder to write someone off when they're being calm and thoughtful and genuine and there's a risk involved with that so most of us have had situations where we were vulnerable and we were hurt that's why it's incredibly important that you are in partnership no matter what with people who are safe to be vulnerable with and that takes some skill building for both parties but just saying where you're at like someone asking like just be real with me. Just saying, to be honest with you, I'm so exhausted and I'm afraid if we go into this conversation, I'm going to snap at you. Just that is vulnerable. That is vulnerability right there. So it doesn't have to mean this thing happened when I was five years old and I've never been able to, you know, like, no, you don't. I'm not talking about that. Just even being honest of like, today was really hard. That's a vulnerable statement. So if you can infuse that into your conversations from the get-go, you will automatically... Trigger those uh, mirror neurons that we have where someone wants to mimic how you are showing up. We naturally do it. It's another defense mechanism. So if somebody comes at you like a bat out of hell, it's more likely that you're going to get aggravated and match that intensity. But if somebody comes at you with vulnerability, it's so much more likely
0: that you're going to elicit vulnerability in return. Beautifully said. Amazing. Amazing. That, Yeah. That the point about vulnerability doesn't mean to be this deep, dark thing that happened to you when you were little. It's literally how you're feeling. I I knew that, but to hear it said like that, I am just like, all right, yeah, it's really as simple as that because I think sometimes our egos really want to overcomplicate these things and make them huge, big to-dos to even open up, but it's literally just how are you feeling? Right, right.
1: And I think it's also about expressing how you're feeling as neutrally as possible. Yes. So, for example, if you, and, and I will say the addendum of that is, and ask for what you need. So, for example, if you are fucking furious about the shoes got left out or someone didn't sign the contract or whatever. Give yourself the time to cool down, or if you have to address it in that moment, to acknowledge that and say, "I am really hot right now. <laughs> I I am in a place where I'm really, really upset, and I don't know if this is the best time. If this, it's going to take everything in me, right? That's already vulnerable, but it's you trying to control the lash out. Um, I usually say." the ideal situation is to go purge that anger, go like have go to a rage room or beat the shit out of your bed or scribble a crazy, rip up a bunch of paper, you know, have a good scream or a good cry. Something where you're physically addressing that anger because it deserves to be there. Uh but that the another element of approaching a difficult conversation is just straight up conversational consent, like asking for the time to talk, because obviously you know how important emotions are in guiding us. And I know that's something you talk about a lot, but the same is true when we are going into a conversation. So if you're talking to, um, talking to a potential business partner or something who, just got their ass handed to them by somebody personal in their life, that's probably not the best time for you to be like, listen, I've got a bunch of stuff I need to talk to you about. Right. And just, I don't care if you're ready, I'm ready. And that's, that's not a safe place. Again, if we want to set ourselves up for, for success as best as possible. I mean, don't get me wrong. We cannot control how people are going to respond. We cannot, but we can set ourselves up to make things as um, to foster a healthy conversation as best as we can, right? Like, can we set the scene? And one of those elements is is expressing value in the other person. So, hey, I have a couple of things I'd love to run by you, or I'd love to get your thoughts on a couple of things. Don't say, we need to talk. Say, there's some things that have been kind of on my mind, I'd love to get your take, Do you have a handful of minutes? I'm thinking maybe 30 minutes or something in the next couple of days. Give them a a ballpark, right? But allow them to have some agency because if if your partner just got home from work and they're drained or your partner just got done taking care of kids or a friend just got, or whoever, and they're in this like heightened emotional state, you're not setting the conversation up for, for what it could possibly yield. Um, so, just sort of a speckling of, of some tools around a difficult conversation.
0: Beautiful, beautiful. And I think the last question before we wrap up is learning to find your voice, because I think what we talked about are really good tools and ways to think about this and being vulnerable. But for me, it's like one of the foundational tenets of this is learning to to find your voice and to be able to speak up, because sometimes. you know, when you're really starting this, you're like, well, what, what do I think? How do I feel? That was my journey. And I'm sure other people can relate to that. So just real fast to kind of wrap, tie a nice bow on today's episode, learning to find your voice. Sure.
1: Yeah. This is another one of those terms that just gets thrown out and there's like, yeah, I'll get right on that. Uh, yeah. So the, what I would say, is start with an inventory of, is there anything I've been, I've really had a grievance about that I've chosen to be quiet about. Okay. And try to find something that's low stakes. That's maybe just like at work, you're like, Hey, could you put this in this folder instead of that folder? Something really low stakes, but where you've been sort of apprehensive because it's your go-to. It's your go-to to just follow someone else's lead. So I want you to find one low stake scenario, and then I want you to write yourself a script. I want you to write out this is what I want to say, okay? And so maybe it is, hey, can I ask you a quick favor? Or hey, can I ask you to do one thing for me if it's not too big of a deal? Would it be possible to put these in this folder as opposed to that? It tends to make things a little bit easier for me, right? So you write that out and then you rehearse it. You rehearse it. You rehearse it in the mirror. Like give yourself that that freedom to rehearse it and then go do it, okay? And then do it again and again and again. So here's the thing. Like I still get nervous on high stakes speaking up situations. and I know that the opposite of that, the alternative of that is way worse. And I only need to be brave for a very short period of time. I don't have to be brave all the time, just in this like one to two minutes. And so I remind myself like, okay, just be brave, just be brave for this short time. And that is way better than being out of integrity um, and living out of accordance with your values Uh, and it, that is also how we build those muscles, right? Like the way that I speak now and how I have conversations with people and how, um, nothing really slides by anymore was not because of some innate gift. It was seriously because of practice and repetition and getting it really wrong a lot of times. And then, and then having now go to phrases, you know, like if someone's like, I need to know now, I need to know now if you can support this thing or if you can volunteer for this event. And I'll say, oh gosh, if you need to know now, I'm going to have to politely decline because I'd hate to leave you hanging. Cause I just, and just little short things like that. So, um, it really is about deciding what is it that I want to say, re- writing it down and rehearsing it genuinely.
0: Easy, simple, and it can be fun can be fun, it and reminds me a lot of like manifestation stuff with like Mm -hmm. writing things out affirmations different methods like it's really about the repetition and practicing and you're reprogramming your mind and Mm -hmm. our minds don't know the difference between it happening in real life versus you know visualizing in our head so hello applies here too makes complete total sense
1: absolutely well in in and for bigger stakes things higher yeah. stakes things and i do this myself i do i have a lot of my students and clients do this where i'm like write write it all out and then go into the conversation if it's going to be a big deep conversation and preface it by saying i know it's silly that i have notes i wrote a bunch of stuff down but i really didn't want to get this wrong or i really didn't want to start defaulting and yelling and screaming at you because you don't deserve that. I just really wanted to get this right. So that's why I have notes, right? Like set yourself up for fucking success and yes. then express to the person, I did this because I care about us. I care about this. That's really hard to make fun of or to say, like, why do you have notes? Ugh, you know? So <laughs> lots, always there's always a workaround.
0: uh. Beautiful. Everything is figure outable That's right. So true. true. Thank you, Amy, yeah. for coming on today. I, I know I learned a lot and enjoyed listening to your wisdom and your help and your tips because I know so many of us are going to relate to every part of this episode. And we close out every single show the same way. How may we, the listeners, is a big act of gratitude be of service for you and return today, Amy? Oh, that's so kind. I love that. Well,
1: I think it's twofold. One is I would love if you came over to Instagram and gave me a follow and said hello. I have been informed that I need to get my platform a lot more robust for a book potentially coming out. Uh, so you can find me under the handle Smith, And like any self-respecting Gen Xer, I'm on <laughs> Insta the most. <laughs> Uh, I'm just a voyeur on TikTok, but you can find me pretty much anywhere on social under the same handle. And all three of my names, Amy Green Smith are all spelled the basic bitch way. It's very simple. <laughs> and then you can find, uh, you can find me, my little corner of the internet is amygreensmith.com. And the second thing you can do is over on my website, you'll see that I have a free ebook. That's actually a workbook. Um, and it includes nine different action steps, challenges that you can take that help bolster your self-worth and also your ability to speak up for yourself. So I would love for you to go get that and decide. You can do things totally out of order, but I want you to decide on one of those challenges to get into action. Because if you just keep consuming information, but you don't take action that is like dialing in your order with the universe and then just sitting and waiting it for it to be delivered to you like goddamn amazon you have to actually take action i call it hitting the mat like you can't read a shit ton of books on pilates or listen to all these pilates podcast and get a ripped solid core you cannot do it you have to hit the mat at some point so those are my two requests instagram follow and um get your hands on that workbook
0: oh awesome thank you thank you so much i couldn't agree more with like (laughs) taking that fucking aligned action and and sometimes it should scare you because it takes the courage to do something different and that is awesome so That's thank right. you so much, Amy, for coming on oh, today. I oh, had, had such a blast, Lauren. Thanks for having me. And remember, open up, surrender, trust, and let your body lead the way.